Hello and thank you for listening to episode 289 of 60MW. I'm Dave and this is another of our interview shows and the first in a week-long series of Grimfest shows. If you don't know what Grimfest is, well then please look in the podcast notes. I shall put links to everything that they do, ways that you can buy passes to watch individual films or the whole event, which I thoroughly recommend as the five years that I've been covering it. It's never let me down. The films have always been really, really good. Also, just by listening to this episode, you stand a chance of winning a free pass to watch this episode's movie, Death Ranch. All you need to do is wait until the end of the show. I will say a special Grimfest word. The first person to email me, including that word, will win a pass to watch Death Ranch. So keep listening. Don't skip through to the end. I'm watching you. Don't cheat and skip through to the end of the show because this is a great interview. As of them all, I had such a whale of a time talking to people. We had such a laugh. Uh, this show as well will be on our YouTube channel. So if you want to watch us, have a chat there, minus this intro and outro, of course, uh, just visit the YouTube channel and uh, give us a sub on there while you're at it. So thank you for listening and settle back and get ready for some chat about the great film Death Ranch, where I'm joined by writer-director Charlie Steeds and two of the main actors, DeAndre Teagle, who plays Brandon Cobbs, and Faith Monique, who plays his sister, Angela Cobbs. Right, first of all, thank you to the three of you, especially DeAndre and Faith over there in America getting up early too. Thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure to have a chat with you. I've been waiting for this one for a good few days since I actually watched Death Ranch a few days ago, so mm. thanks very much. No problem. Excited to do it. Uh, I've got to start. I've got to start with you, Charlie, and I know you're going to be asked this a lot of times during press week for Grimfest, but for people that are going to listen to this as an audio show, people that are going to watch it as a video show, what's Death Ranch about then? Sum it up, with no spoilers, of course. Yeah, so Death Ranch is a sort of tribute to old grindhouse and black exploitation movies, which I love. Uh, so it's set in the 70s, and it's set in Tennessee, and it's about three African-American siblings who... Uh, they're hiding out in an old ranch, uh, and they think they're just going to have a sort of quiet couple of weeks. Uh, but in the nighttime, uh, the lead character, played by DeAndre, hears a bit of a disturbance, goes out to the woods and finds a huge KKK clan doing a cross-burning, uh, <clears throat> killing uh, a black girl. And basically, they end up finding... Uh, back at the ranch they end up finding our main characters and it becomes a sort of kind of horrific uh, sort of revenge story of the KKK versus uh, these characters but uh, so it has all those sort of like elements of like gritty grindhouse uh, exploitation lots of violence lots of torture and those sorts of things but importantly without spoiling the film it is a film about the African-American characters coming out on top. And it's a cathartic movie about seeing the KKK, you know, <laughs> totally obliterated by these yeah. badass characters. Uh, so that's basically the, the movie. It is because I was watching it, and one of, the, one of the horrific things is that we're sat here in 2020 and the KKK is still a thing. I mean, that's horrific uh, yeah. to begin with. Yeah, right. exactly. I mean, right. when we were filming, we shot the film in uh, just on the outskirts of Nashville, Tennessee, and the KKK is still active, just a few hours' drive. You know, mm -hmm. they're still going. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I'm sat here in Wales, 
And it's it's crazy that that's still going on. It really is. Mm. It's good, yeah. like you say though. There's revenge, and and with Faith and DeAndre, it was it was great to see you guys kicking some butt during this show. <laughs> but you go through some stuff as well. And again, oh, there's so much I want to say, but I don't want to spoil it for listeners because it's not been shown. But let's take. A, there's a couple of things particularly. Um, Faith, there's a scene with you, and I sat with my wife and watched it, and we both loved it. We had a great time watching it. But we were squirming. There's a scene with you, Faith. All I'm going to say is involving Vaseline. And we were like, oh, my. It's one of the... And this happened quite a few times during the film where we were just gripping the arms of the couch, going, oh, my God, what's going what's to happen? <laughs> what's it like filming scenes like that where it is horrific but of course you're having a good time on set as well and it's it's not real but the way that you portray it you drew both of us in into it and we were really you know scared for you so what was it like filming that particular scene so that day it was uh, really cool because i had a few days off and i live in alabama we filmed in tennessee so i actually went home for about three or four days and I was just getting mentally prepared the whole time to film that scene. And so um, on that day, I didn't eat any food oh, and because I wanted, to, I, I wanted to feel her pain as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's not actually happening, but I wanted to feel pain. So um, as soon as we were able to go to where we were filming that scene, I literally stayed in character the whole day. It took maybe, what, nine hours? Whoa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I went up one time to use the restroom, and then I literally laid there the entire time in tears and just thinking about what it could feel like to be in that situation. And so so that it could be, so that I could portray it as real as possible. Um, so in between takes, there was I wasn't laughing. Or, or doing anything, I just literally stayed there, and I could feel um, the man, the, the man that was uh, in the scene with me is definitely over three hundred pounds, and I feel his weight on me, and I, but I loved it because it helped me to get in the character, yeah. and then I could feel the, um, I, I guess it might have been his spit actually. Good thing it wasn't coronavirus. Um, <laughs> I could feel moisture on me, and all of that. I loved it because it helped me to um, to get into her character even more. So, it, but it was one of the funnest scenes I've ever done. It, must it, it have was been, wonderful. It, it, I, lo- I really loved it. Emotionally and physically draining for you to go through that, and, and be in character like that for a full day. Yeah, it, it was like a full nine hours, and what Faith is saying is true. Like she didn't stop between takes to laugh with the rest of us. She she stayed in the zone for the whole time. I was pretty amazed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the way that you filmed and edited it as well, Charlie. It just it's relentless. You can't mm. you can't look away from it. You're just in that scene with the characters, <laughs> as horrific it is, as it is. Yeah, well, we shot with two cameras, and we wanted it to have a sort of. I didn't want it to look like a documentary, but the whole sort of style of filming it and sort of from a directing point of view, the blocking and stuff. Say for example, the scene where we first see the KKK and the cross burning, we just rehearsed what we were gonna do. And then it was two cameras filming it as it happened, mm-hmm. but kind of, it was spontaneous. You, you didn't know where people were gonna get thrown and, and where exactly <laughs> things were gonna go. And you didn't know where your camera was gonna end up. So. There were moments like that that were really spontaneous where we just shot the thing as if it was actually happening and trying to just get a sense of like 
really doing it you know we were because we were really burning this cross and it was huge cross uh, and everyone did have real flaming torches like oh, uh, <laughs> so we just tried to capture the authenticity of every scene really did you yeah. have anybody from from nearby when all this was going on thinking what's, what's going on over there and, and like uh, we, we did have to post a note to all the neighbors because they could hear a lot of screaming and there was one house that had a clear view of pretty much everything we were doing <laughs> uh, so luckily i mean luckily yeah no one uh, no one raised an alarm seeing all these kkk characters w wandering around but uh, luckily we'd notified them <laughs> that's good. a bit of advance warning I mean, yeah. still just within the scene uh, with the theme of horrific scenes deandre all i'm going to say is you and a cigarette lighter and i, I was watching that scene and that was that was another one where i mean especially as a man watching it not giving anything away but the way that you portrayed it as well i thought was perfect with that you could have gone overboard with it or you, know, you didn't underplay it i was i was feeling what your character was going through as well so how do you prepare for scenes again for scenes like that knowing that it's not it's not something that hopefully you've ever experienced in real life but then you've got to portray it and, and be realistic and convince us as a viewer about it sure um for me on that day, I, any day that we're working with the antagonist, I try to, I try to distance myself mm -hmm. to a certain degree. Um, that way the tension is definitely there during the scene. Uh, so that helped me out a lot, uh, especially with that scene in particular. And I think, uh, anytime before we're shooting something, I try to get into that mindset of, you know, what that situation is going to be like. And so it takes a, a lot of mental, preparation you know more than physically and uh the same way that faith was laying down it's it was a long day of shooting for that scene <laughs> and um i'm you know lying down and you know my like back is starting to really hurt and everything like that and so i think that just added that much more um realism to that scene um and so it definitely takes a lot out of you physically and mentally um but i think a lot of it was just keeping myself separate from the um opposing side in that scene and um uh, also knowing i've watched a lot of prison documentaries <laughs> and so you know they all, always talk about uh, the traumas that they go through uh during that and i think for my character specifically he spent um a certain amount of time in there and he probably experienced things that he didn't want to or saw things that he didn't want to experience while in there and you know not to give anything away but i think uh having that mindset uh you know as brandon helped uh kind of bring that to life within that scene and so um i would just draw back to what it was like in prison and then going through whatever this was, you know, right here and, you know, knowing, seeing what happened to those people there, I did not want, you know what I mean? And so, uh, not, not giving anything away. Um, you know, and so it's, uh, it's definitely something that you have to mentally prepare for. Um, yeah, because it's not, it's not pretty. <laughs> definitely not pretty. And another mm. thing that helped to sell those scenes, because the film isn't just all about shock scenes, but what builds up to it is because of the characterization, the empathy for the characters that you feel from the beginning, the time that the film takes to get to know the characters, 
the way that you guys portrayed the characters, I cared for them. So when something happens to them, you, you feel it even more. So Charlie, when you're putting the script together and you, and you know that it's going to lead up to these certain events and, you, and mm-hmm. you're thinking, well, how long do I take? What do I let the characters do before we get to it? What was the script writing process as you were putting it together? Yeah, it's exactly like you were saying, you know, you want to kind of, for me, when I'm writing horror, you want to, in the shortest amount of time, get us the most invested you can in the characters and then hand it over to all the crazy horror stuff because that's obviously what we're there for. But like you say, you know, if if you don't care about the characters beforehand, then when all the horrible stuff kicks off, then it's not going to be as effective. Um, So, you know, the, the film, the film, it kind of it has an interesting tone which i was like tricky to get right but i feel like we did get it right where it's in some ways it's quite funny and light-hearted even like the scene we were talking about with the vaseline like it's so gross and disgusting and so over the top that it becomes like you might also chuckle while you're watching it whilst also covering your face yeah yeah that's like the sort of tone we were trying to get so uh, in the beginning 15 minutes of the film, it was all just about making these characters, you know, as lovable as possible. They're, they're sort of, they're funny, you know, um, the character Clarence that Travis plays is just there for like comedy the whole time. Uh, and, uh, you know, so just just basically, I knew you had to make people care for them so that uh, the horror would, would, you know, we'd really be rooting for them. And then obviously, I mean, you can tell from listening to Faith and DeAndre how seriously they took this script and their characters and how in-depth everyone on the film just, when when this script was finished and we all got the script, um, everyone just took it so seriously. Everyone just dived in, dived in so deep uh, and just took every little detail of the characters and the the whole film because this was actually a very easy film to make because everyone just put their all in and it just came to life by itself kind of better than anyone could have expected it would have done because we just were all we were all putting our everything in and it does it comes through on the screen as well you can see uh, the, the, the work and the passion that, that comes through on it and one of the things it does, and right from the very beginning, it nails that 70s atmosphere with an amazing soundtrack all the way through it. Mm. So how was that put together? Is this people that you know that did the music? Or? Yeah, I mean, my composer, it's funny because it's the, the composer of this film is the same composer that has done a lot of my previous films, which are radically different in terms of their like style and in terms of the music. So I did, like I've got a film, The House of Violent Desire, that's got a very old-fashioned gothic uh, sort of music, and the composer nailed that. Um, and then something like The Barge People, another film of mine, has a very like synth VHS sort of retro uh, sort of scuzzy slasher movie soundtrack. And then for Death Ranch, there was this whole other thing where there's a lot of influence of like westerns. Um, and a lot of sort of Ennio Morricone, well, in fact, not only Ennio Morricone Western music, but also Ennio Morricone Jallo music. So it, all these sort of influences of Italian movies and exploitation, it all comes together in the soundtrack. And the composer, Sam Benjafield, just basically nailed it. And he, he's amazing at just transforming his style, like it's a totally different type of music to any of my other films, but he did a really good job. We were both sat there watching it and we thought, 
we'd buy the soundtrack album for this. We were loving <laughs> it. And, and again, we were watching it. And like we said, we're so invested in the characters. All I knew mm. about it before going in was reading the IMDb synopsis. So reading mm. that, the characters are introduced and Faith, you appear, and DeAndre, you appear. And you know everything's not going to end in a picnic just from reading the IMDb mm -hmm. synopsis. So then whenever everything kicks off, and I've got to, I've got to uh, compliment you on the on the blood, the quality of the blood in it is brilliant. You see some horror films and the blood's not great. This, and it's not a spoiler to say there's a lot of blood in this film. And Faith and DeAndre, you you do see a lot of it. What were Faith first? What were was say a favorite day with with blood and the action and that? What was what was one of your favorite days of filming? Um, when when I one one of the KKK members. I get to do some, um, it was some pretty cool stuff too. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but um, I had to, I don't, I don't want to say what I was holding, what body part, but it was, <laughs> I love the blood first of all. I love yeah. the blood. It was nice and cold and it felt good because we filmed in the summertime. And so, and, and I, can I tell them what, I'm not gonna say the body part, but yeah, what yeah, we used, yeah, okay. It was the fake blood and a boiled egg. Oh. It was, and I got to smush it in my hands for for like a while. It was so fun. I love that. So the the fake blood, the fake blood was like was really. And it was my first time ever seeing or um, playing with fake blood. I'd never even seen it before. So uh, yeah, the, the the fake blood and the boiled egg. That was that was amazing. <laughs> what about you, DeAndre? What was your favorite thing? Oh man. Uh... I think just the explosion of the blood just in your face, you know, <laughs> kind of just feels like, you know, you're getting your face washed, but it's not water, you, you know? Um, so that was definitely like refreshing, uh, especially during those hot days. Um, I think, I think the bloodiest moment for me is the first time that I get to retaliate. Um, and so, and I, that was the first, uh, that was the first kind of bloodbath, if you will, um, for me. So that was, uh, that was my first time working with, uh, blood in that, uh, to that extent, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and after that, after that first day, I was like, I'm ready for however much <laughs> I need, you know, for whatever I need next. So, um, yeah, it was, there are definitely a lot of moments, but I think that one was the one that geared me up for what we were about to do so and it's great that so many people are going to see it of course it's a pity that Grimfest isn't going to happen it would have been my fifth year there go into it um, mm -hmm. but it's great that it's still going on and with this way with it being online this the opportunity for more people to see it i think mm -hmm. the only thing that we're going to miss out on is the atmosphere like you get at especially horror film festivals this is definitely a film where people will be cheering like mad all, all the way through it so I would encourage people, you know, if you can get together and have a, as much as you can properly social distancing in these days. But it is one of the, I mean, there was only us two watching it and we were cheering like mad all the way through. Especially for you two guys when things start kicking off and we were, yes, come on. <laughs> um, so that's going to miss out. But as far as getting a more of a global audience for you, Charlie, this must be in one way better that you can bring more people in to watch it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a it's a whole new thing, you know, doing a virtual festival. So we'll, we'll just see how it goes. But yeah, I, I can only imagine that 
you know, you can only fit so many people into one screening room. And even though, like you say, I would definitely miss that atmosphere of when you watch the film in a room full of people, every the whole film seems to change, you know, sometimes for good and for bad, because sometimes bits that you enjoyed and you think, oh, that, that bit turned out good. When you're in a room full of people and like you say, they cheer or they gasp, you go, wow, it turned out really good, you know, and it gives you a thrill right yeah. there on the spot. Um, and also if there's any bits in your film that you kind of regret or didn't turn out so good, you feel the atmosphere in the room just like plummet. And then you're like, oh God, that bit needs to be edited or something. So, you know, so I usually do test screenings of my movies. Um, but we actually, we've because of coronavirus, we've done nothing for this. So, you know, you guys watching it are really the first people to see what we, what we shot. Um, aside from me and the cast and crew had a little just online watch party just between us when it was finally finished editing, um, which wasn't very long ago either. It's pretty like hot off the press, you know, and that's why there's no information online really. There's, I've only just finished the trailer. Um, so it's all, it all starts coming out after this uh, Grimfrest premiere. That's great. And knowing, mm. knowing what happens in it as well, and, uh, and just going around all three of you and ladies first, you first, Faith. Did, did any of you keep anything from the movie? Because there's some different things that are used and, and props and so on. Did, did you keep anything from the shoot? Okay, this is, um, this may be TMI. Oh, I, I did throw it away. I have, oh, I can say it properly. I have an undergarment that I was wearing when there was a lot of blood going on. And even though I've watched it, washed it tons of times, the blood stains are still <laughs> on it. Um, but I think I, I threw it away probably just a few weeks ago. But I mean, it's been over a year. So for about a year and two months, I had the undergarment. And, and every time I, I would see it and see the blood, the blood stains, it would just remind me of what a wonderful time we had on set. I know that's kind of oh, random. Great. No, that's great. <laughs> yeah. What about you, DeAndre? Have you kept anything? Yeah, I um, the only thing that I really kept from there was the script, but like I'll like go through every once in a while just to you know kind of um, reminisce on that stuff. But there are so many spots where like the blood might have like hit it, or I because I was dripping with mm -hmm. it, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, trying to prepare for everything else. Um, so I definitely kept that. The thing that I really wanted to keep that was on set that I didn't get to take were the shoes that I wore in the film because yeah. <laughs> those shoes were so dope. I just wanted to, you know, take them home and clean them and maybe pop them out one night. Yeah, but, why not? Um, <laughs> you're right, but I think, um, yeah, they were going to use them again for something, you know, just for something in the yeah. future. But uh, yeah, definitely wanted to keep those shoes though. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> Yeah, where, where we shot in um, in Nashville, we kept all of the costumes just in case anything needed to be redone. Yeah, yeah. So they're all up in the attic of our co-producer's house. <laughs> um, all the costumes are there. So all the costumes still exist. And yeah, I mean, I had, because I got to, um, I'd never been to Tennessee before. So I flew out to Nashville um, and then I had 15 days to buy everything ready for the movie because I could only stay out there for a certain amount of time. Um, so I was going to all the different uh, thrift stores and finding, you know, because it's 70s fashion, 
I, you know, I could look for all these cool things. So like those horrible green shoes that DeAndre got to wear and, and you know, the cowboy shirts and the hippie shirts and Faith's leather jacket with the tassels, you know, yeah. it was really fun, like finding the wardrobe for all these characters. Um, but in terms of things I've kept, I've kept, like DeAndre said, I've kept my script because my script is drenched in blood. Every single page <laughs> is dried splatters of blood and my scribbles of, you know, shots and ideas and lots and lots of dust because it was so dusty yeah. in the ranch. There was just dust everywhere. Um, but I also have one of the KKK hoods, um, which, again, I've kept it because it's totally splattered in blood, um, which is all now dried out. Um, and usually from my movies, I will keep something like, you know, the head of a monster or the mask that was worn. Obviously, <laughs> with the other things, I can have them out on display. This one is like tucked far away in a box, you know, just as a distant <laughs> memory. Um, but it's, it's still, you know, it's covered in the blood, it's covered in the dust. Um, and it was actually my grandma who made these KKK hoods. Um, <laughs> because, you, I, well, I don't know, you, it seems you can't just go online and just buy them, and, and you wouldn't want to anyway. Um, so my grandma, she sewed them all for me, and then I had to sneak them over to America in my hand luggage. Um, so I, like, I, would, I would put them, I had like 20 KKK hoods, um, I hadn't cut the eye holes or anything, so you couldn't really tell entirely what they were. But I would put them inside a T-shirt, fold up the T-shirt, and then like stack them like that. So you'd have to really rummage through my hand luggage to find all these hoods. But it was a little bit worrying, you know, <laughs> if I got stopped on the way through customs or something. Oh yeah, I would be. I would be looking very nervous if I was. Going <laughs> I wouldn't feel comfortable whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at the time. I know you've you've got a lot of press to do for this film. We were in press week of Grimfest. Everybody, because this is coming out before Grimfest, is going to have a great time watching it. I'm looking forward to watching it again already. Uh, and Charlie, thank you for, for coming online. Faith DeAndre, thank you as well. Yeah, again, like I said at the beginning, especially it's early in America, and to have the chance to chat with you is, has been it's been brilliant. Uh, and all the very best with this going forward and future projects that you're all involved with as well. Thank you very much. Our pleasure. Thank you, Thank you so much. And the alarm bell, as always, brings to an end another interview show. And the first of seven grimfest fueled interviews over the next seven days. So pin back your ears. There's a lot more horror talk still to come. Now then, much like I teased at the beginning of this episode, you can win a free pass to watch this film on Grimfest. The first person to email us, and you can do that via the website, 60mw.co.uk. There's a contact us form on there. Or you can email us direct, contact at 60mw.co.uk. Email us the word axe, A-X-E. Now you can put whatever else you want into the email. Give us some feedback on this show. Give us feedback on anything. Just say hello. We love getting emails. Make sure you include the word axe. First person to do that, you win a free Grimfest pass for Death Ranch. Also, while you're online, give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram. Both of those are at 60MW Podcast. Again, I mentioned at the beginning of the show that this interview is also on our YouTube channel. 
A link to there will be in the podcast notes. Give us a sub on there. Lots more interviews upcoming on there. Already lots more interview shows on there if you've not seen them. So pin back your ears and get ready for tomorrow's show. Yes, seven consecutive days of Grimfest horror-fueled interviews are coming at you this week to prepare you for the Grimfest Festival at the beginning of October. Thank you for listening, and I shall be back tomorrow. <laughs>